Welcome back to the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, as always, Robbie Burke. And before we get into today's show, I just want to give a shout out to all of the show's sponsors. Firstly, upmentorship.com, which is one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. The Ultimate Performance Online Mentorship is 20 hours of top-class strength and conditioning information available for instant access right at your fingertips. To find out more, head over to upmentorship.com, which is linked up in the show notes, check it out, and help support the show. Next, I want to give a shout out to Altus360 and Altus Education, which are two outstanding online resources for any practitioner in the sports preparation profession. Be sure to head over to the show notes and check out these unique platforms. Next, I want to give a shout out to Yosef Johnson at Ultimate Alley Concepts. Ultimate Alley Concepts is a multifaceted company providing the most sophisticated scientific material in sports science. Ultimate Alley Concepts is the world's leading resource for translated sports preparation material. Next, I want to give a shout out to Papi's National Sports Performance Association, which is an online certification platform for professionals within the sports preparation profession. Currently, the NSPA has four certifications available. Speed and Agility, delivered by Lee Taft. Olympic Weightlifting, delivered by Will Fleming. Nutrition, delivered by Dr. Chris Moore. And Program Design, delivered by Coach Robert Dos Remedios. For more information on the NSPA, be sure to check out all of the links in the show notes. Finally, I want to thank another brainchild of Pat Beef's, Athletes Acceleration, which is another online medium that delivers excellent educational resources for strength and conditioning professionals. And just like with all of our other sponsors, head over to the show notes to get the links to all of the available products that Athletes Acceleration has to offer. A full disclosure, except for Altus360 and Altus Education, I am an affiliate to all of the show sponsors. Lastly, before we get into today's interview, I just want to let all the listeners know that the podcast is now on Patreon. If you feel that you are in a position to support the show, I would truly appreciate any donations you'd be willing to make to help support the podcast. Okay, that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into today's show. This episode's guest is Tim DeFrancesco from TD Athletes Edge. Tim has spent six years as a head strength and conditioning coach in the NBA and is a renowned thought leader in sports medicine and athletic performance. He is the founder of TD Athletes Edge, which is linked up in the show notes. On this episode, Tim and I discuss Tim's background. I asked Tim what his mindset was like when he took the role with the Bakersfield Jam. I asked Tim to share with us his whole experience working in professional basketball. Here we talk about coaching burnout, fulfillment, and happiness. I asked Tim who have been the biggest influences in his life. And finally, I asked Tim for his top and current book recommendations. Guys, this was an absolutely outstanding conversation with Tim, and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Tim, we are recording, sir. Thank you so much for making time today. Just for any listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, and if you aren't familiar with Tim, shame on you people, but you're about to find out. So let's sit on the background, my man. Ah, great to be on, Robbie. Appreciate it. So let's see. The background. I am a doctor of physical therapy, certified athletic trainer, certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, and currently, we'll kind of get go go right to where I'm at right now. Currently running TD Athletes Edge, and that is um, my business and operation run out of Boston, Massachusetts, um, and for for a physical location there. Um, we are a uh, 
gym and training facility who uh, we, we help people to really kind of slow down the fitness process and the, the, the rigmarole and, and some of the what I would call shenanigans going on at a lot of gyms and fitness settings, slow it down, uh, get to the bottom of what their goals are, what their, uh, what they've, they've struggled with, what, what has worked for them, what hasn't, and really learn how to do things the right way. So whatever their starting point is, that's, that's where we're at. And, um, that is, uh, we have, we have a great team of coaches, uh, that, that I work with to, uh, put that out into a, um, a really uh, high quality product of, of helping people to train and, and work, train and, and work harder and smarter. Shenanigans. So, Shenanigans. Yeah. I, I love that word. Yeah. I, it's a good one. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's me now. Um, I, I guess a uh, quick kind of timeline. I was, uh, after graduating PT school, I, I went to work in a traditional outpatient PT clinic. I did that for about three years. Didn't really feel like that was where I wanted to hang my hat for the rest of a long career and felt like it was a little bit limiting for me and not quite the exact hammer I wanted to hold in the, in the spectrum of uh, performance to rehab to um, first responding and that kind of thing. So um, started up TD Athletes Edge in the first version of things at that time in, a, in an effort to allow me to get closer towards the SNC and performance side of things. And that's really where I fell in love and, and, and dove in and stayed in, in that corner of things. And, and um, so kind of went from working as a full-time PT, traditional sense, to then starting up a performance training facility and operation to being able to reach people in a different way and really have a little bit more customization to what I felt like I could offer. Always using my perspective and background as a physical therapist to, to help shape that and drive that. But um, uh, that's kind of the birth and the start of TD Athletes Edge. And then somewhere in that process, I got an opportunity to go work for the Bakersfield Jam, which at the time was uh, an NBA D-League team. Now it's the NBA G-League, um, but uh, as an athletic trainer and a strength and conditioning coach. So I did that, and, and I really was looking for an opportunity before I got entrenched in a, a, a career path that would allow me to get an opportunity to work in the team setting. Um, and so that allowed me to do that. I moved out to Bakersfield, California. I got paid basically nothing, and I, I wore every single hat you could possibly wear to, to be the, the – my job title was head athletic trainer. I think that's about the last priority of things that I actually did. Um, I, I washed – laundry. I, I drove vans. I packed a luggage. I, I did a lot of things in terms of travel coordinating and that kind of thing that was outside of my job description, but that's what happens in minor league sports. Um, that, that opportunity parlayed into getting a chance to be on the radar of and eventually hired by the LA Lakers as the head strength and conditioning coach. So they, the Lakers at the time really were looking for somebody who had a PT background and was, was understanding how to run a weight room, but do it in a way that was, was really train harder, train smarter, and just keep guys healthy and strong, not just keep guys strong and, and always be thinking, you know, faster, bigger, stronger, but be thinking these guys are freaks and let's keep them healthy freaks and let them do what they do really well. And that was always my approach. So it was a good fit. And so for, uh, for the 
past, um, uh, let's see, so I spent six seasons with the LA Lakers from um, 2011 to 2017. And uh, then kind of hit a point with that process where the vision and the itch for me to really fulfill everything that I wanted with TD Athletes Edge was too great for me to uh, to ignore. And I had a two year, I have a two year old daughter now and my wife and I are all from the new England area and it was time to get home and, and time for me to work on DD athletes edge full time. And, and that's, that's, that, that sort of circles out that conversation. That's a whopper introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Where do we go from here? Uh, no, I, I have two questions I want to ask there. Um, the first one is, kind of on the front end of your story and then the second one will be on the back end. So on the front end, what was going through your mind when you were like, right, I have this PC job and it's comfortable and it's good salary, but there's this shitty D-League job on the other side of the country and I'm absolutely crazy to go take it. What's my partner going to say? Fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Yes. Like what what was going through? Because there is a lot of people listening to this and I've been in these positions too where like I've had opportunities and you know, like to take my face value or like you'd be mad to take it, but also in the back of your mind, like, yeah, but the opportunities that could come from it open up and just if you can, I know like it, it was a long time ago and like the perception of actually what was going through mind can kind of like, we could, we could actually lose what was kind of reality through father time. But sure. can, you, can you remember like what was the thought process and the conversations you have, not only with yourself, but you know, with friends and family and obviously you're, I don't know if you were married with your partner back then, where was she your wife? Right. Right. I, uh, yeah. So I was, I was not married to my wife at the time we were together, but not married yet. And so, um, yeah. and so it, basically for me, it, it, it wasn't as, um, I won't say it was easy. It wasn't as maybe painful of a, a painstaking of a process for me because my personality tends to be, uh, you know, if I see a good opportunity and I feel like there's something within that opportunity that if I don't go for it, I would regret it. I just don't really think about it. It doesn't, I, I just, it, I tell people a lot. It's like, look, I just kind of go with the FIO method. It's like, I'll, I'll just figure it out. You know, I, I will not figure out how to deal with regretting not doing something, yeah. but I'll, I'll just, who gives a shit? Like what's the worst that can happen? I go out there and I hate Bakersfield and I run out of money and I got to go home. Like, I mean, so what the hell, you know, that's not that bad of a worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just, felt like the opportunity was too great and I felt like the uh the ability for me to get the experience and 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 what I was going to get out of it was was too great for worrying about all the stuff that was on paper that was yeah like you said far more logical to stay with a job where I was getting 90k as an entry-level PT uh the to to stay with that in a nice you know really kind of comfortable position (laughs) than to go get 15k to work for the Bakersfield Jam and not really know have an answer on how exactly I was going to pay a lot of my bills but I've figured it out you know like if I had to borrow some money I had to borrow some money like you know so I I tell people all the time it's like if you didn't if you can't look back and say yeah I took I made some I made on paper some dumb moves but I I did them because I, I was driven toward them with the, for, for what my gut, my heart was telling me. And, you know, I, I basically took some, made some big risks and, and sacrifices along the way. Then I don't think that you end up in a, in a 
place where you're at your true dream career Super Bowl vision. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's, that's how it works. If, if you want to go to this big, huge vision that you have played out in your head, you better the, – the trade-off there is you're going to make some sacrifices. You're going to make some damn, damn big risks, and, yeah. and that's how it works. So. Yeah, I wouldn't even uh, – you know, like your choice of words are like it was risk or a dumb decision. Obviously, well, I can't, I can't say obviously because I can't speak for you, but I, I'm – and I hate saying I assume because I hate assumptions, but I'm assuming like, you know, looking back on it, you're like obviously it wasn't – it was the correct move given what – what came from it in the end, like, you know, the whole, obviously, you know, end up with Lakers and the whole experience you gained from that. And now you're, you're back with TD edge. It's kind of like, you know, I think if someone had told you, like when you were taking the job, listen, this is the path it's going to go. You're like, yeah, I'll take that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally, I, I a hundred out of a hundred times. I'm like, yeah, the call was, was right. I, I, I do think though that, you know, it, it just, there's a lot of people who look at that and say, how did you or would you even justify that? Yeah, and, yeah. and I was at a time in my life where I could. I could say, fuck it. Yeah. You know, not, not everybody's at a time in, in the moment in their life where, where that's possible. They have other things that they are responsible for than, more so than I did. I, was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could make that call and be like – I think, don't lose a lot. I think a lot of it's perspective in that, like, you know, so like a lot of people look at that and say, you know, I'm either going to gamble and make a big gain here or gamble or make a massive loss. And like, then that's the whole fear aspect. Whereas kind of people with a growth mindset are like, I'm either going to win here or learn. One yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, a win-win, it's a win-win either way in someone's mind, no matter how it ends up, because if everything turns out great, turns out great. And if it doesn't, you learn something amazing. And right. no, no doubt then in terms of character building, facing things uh, of that, uh, facing any type of adversity that may come from a decision or a, a decision they have to make. Or it's, yeah. it's only going to lead to further self-actualization and growth as a human. So either way, it's win-win. It, it comes back to people's perspectives, like, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I think that from, from my end, I just, I didn't really – People have a hard time believing this, but the, the truth of it is that I didn't take that Bakersfield job with the agenda to oh, use yeah. it as a stepping stone. It, yeah. it, I, I took that Bakersfield job because I wanted a team-based environment. I was only going to do it for two to three years. I had to be talked into doing it a third year, <laughs> which you know was good because that's when the, the Lakers thing parlayed. And it wasn't like I was there to use it as a stepping stone. So I think because of that, I was not trying to rush through that stepping stone period to get to something different. I was trying to go to that opportunity, get the opportunity yeah. and, and, and then see what developed next. Yeah. Um, and I think a key thing too, that a lot of, I hear a lot of, you know, I'm not that old now myself. Like I'm, I'm 31 and I, well, how old are you, Tim? 37. Yeah, like I hear a lot of, you know, of the sort of generation above us and, and maybe two generations above saying that a kind of common thing they're seeing with the younger coaches is like they're all seeing about the next gig, the next gig. Whereas Yeah, exactly. They're, they're always like, listen, just do just focus on now and just be a savage, savage coach where you're now I'm and it's like, you. things will things will come. Like if you go into it the mindset of I'm using this to get to there, they're like people sen- that, people will send they'll sense that uh, energy and agenda like they'll smell it off you and it's it's not it's not a it's not very appealing like for future you oh. know pro- prospects in terms of no, like, you, you want to go somewhere in your career like 
That that you wear that like a a, a neon bright T-shirt. I mean that you can't <laughs> hide that. You know you can't. Yeah, hide you can't. That. You can't hide that exactly. And um, if that's your agenda, you probably shouldn't. You know you've got to refocus your mindset and and like you said, be a savage coach at that moment. And I people ask me like, well, how did how did you do it? I I I, I tell them if I literally coach and work with someone with the same level of excitement, passion, and enthusiasm, and, and, you know, putting everything I have onto the table in that coaching session. And I, I'm telling this honestly, and I think any person that's ever worked with me or that I've worked with from a client standpoint would tell you this. And I can say it because I have worked with Kobe Bryant, whether I'm working with Kobe Bryant or I'm working with a 49 year old house mom who has knee pain and just wants to kind of be able to feel better throughout her given day. I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of difference in how I attack that session. Yeah. And, um, and that's how it was. Anybody could have in, in the, you know, you go to the Bakersfield jam position and and work in minor league sports. You're eating some shit sandwiches, man. Like there, it's not, it's not all roses over there. And it's easy to be like, what the fuck? This is like, how much longer am I going to have to do this? Can I just get through this to the other thing that's supposed to be way better than this? Yeah, yeah. And if that's going to be your approach, it's going to be really hard to get through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, nearly any successful individual here, so many of them just talk about the process, the process, the, or the, yeah. pro- the process, as you guys say, you know, the, <laughs> right. the, the process, you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Cause I, I've worked in America. Like I've worked at boils and I've spent a lot of, right. I, I, I interned at Altus. So like I'm used to, right. in America. it's so funny when I, when I first went over, this is just a quick digression. But when I first went over, like the time was so funny. What time is it? I'd be like half two. And they'd be like, is that like, yeah. so you mean one thirty or no, no, half two. <laughs> And, I, and, like, and then someone like right, it's two thirty. Oh, okay, I get you now. Yeah, yeah. they were like, you know, when I said half two, they're like, so do you mean half of two, which would be one thirty? I'm like, no, it's right, right. Oh just, my god, so funny. All those, yeah, all those little things. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like so, like uh, you know, you, 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 if you, you know, follow successful people in any domain, be it sport or business or wherever else, you know, they often talk about embracing the process rather than always projecting forward to you know and i'm making quotation marks here the destination because there never is a destination it's the same in life too people are like oh you know when i get there i'll be happy they think like when they get to the top of this mountain they're gonna find for ultimate fulfillment and self-actualization and then it's like wow. yeah when you, when you get there let me know uh let me know if you do find it because yeah you read any of those great scriptures no matter it's from a, any sort of you know religious doctrine or like you know buddhism right. But Buddhism be one kind of uh, even though buddhism isn't a religious way of life right uh but like you know they you know the, the kind of you know, I listened to a lot of Alan Watson. He talked with Zen Buddhism. He talked with people who spent time with Buddhists. And then the people would ask, well, what did you learn? And they go, I learned that there was nothing to learn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was there I mean? the whole time. I was there the whole time. The whole time, yeah. 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 So like, yeah. And life, that's what it is. Just life is a continual, it's, it's a continuous dynamic journey until our very last breath. Right. We got to be, yeah, we got to be careful to think that. Like a lot of it too, Tim, comes from like, and it's not, you sound, you sound like you're, you're resonating with a lot of this as well. Like a lot of it is just that, we feel we need to externalize our fulfillment when we really need to realize that fulfillment comes within like you know yeah. so a lot of us are like well if i get this or if i get this position or if i go there i'll i'll get the fulfillment from the outside coming in so i'll be able to yeah. externalize it and then feel some self-worth and go oh you know i'm worthy of my place in the universe it was like no no it's a whole lifetime yeah. development of 
working working within yourself you know that's why it's all, exactly. often called inspiration to build that inspiration within inside yourself to find your fulfillment so yeah it's uh then on the back end of that then tim um so you know we'll get a little more into like the lakers and and like you know what what that job yeah. was like and what it entailed you know because i'm i'm yeah. it, it's so over the last say two three years i go through these phases in my life where i kind of I, I have these like big questions on my mind so like back at the end of 2016 the big sort of question i kind of meditated off on was death and uncertainty because mm. i'm like i think uncertainty like drives a lot of behavior that people have in their life and mm. um, and i think like the biggest uncertainty that everyone has is death like what do you think about it consciously or subconsciously you know whether you meditate more than others you know uh and then sort of from there imposter syndrome was like a big thing i thought about for an awful long time and mm. then what's been on big big on my agenda this year is like happiness and fulfillment. Like they're all kind of inter, they're all sort of intertwined, really. If you think about it, but the happiness fulfillment thing kind of gets in my mind because of people like who work in pro sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of you know, people like, oh, if I got a job with, in the NFL or the NBA, like oh, but the salary's great. Working with pro athletes to be unreal. And I have a lot of friends in the NFL and with pro teams, even the Irish rugby professional, mm. the, the Irish rugby teams over here. And like, you know, again, don't want to speak for them, but I have spoken to a lot of them offline and behind the scenes and they will admit to you that they're not happy. Yeah. Do you know, they, they yeah. might've been, they might've been initially. Yeah. 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 There's a honeymoon period. There's a honeymoon period. And when you really start talking to them, like mentally, emotionally, they're not in a great way. You know, they don't, they don't get a chance to train. They feel sluggish. Then the relationship with home's not great. And then they start yeah. doing, they start doing this avoidance behavior where they stay in the building just to stay there because one, <laughs> because one, they don't want to go home. And then two, and then, and then two, Tim, they're in the middle of the game of one upsmanship. You know, it's the big, oh, yeah. Big dick measure conversation where like coach one walks in. Yeah, I was here at four a.m. and I didn't leave. Or like, yesterday I came in at four, didn't leave till eight p.m. And it's like what? And then like he he knows what time you came and left, but he asks anyway. He goes and what, yeah, yeah. What, what time did you come in? Oh, you were at six a.m. and you left at six. Oh yeah, four more hours. I win. I win. Like, <laughs> yeah. They don't say it, but it's in their head. And then like you know the third coach walks in. He's like, yeah, I slept in my office. And then like a fourth person who actually has a bit of respect is like, you're all fucking morons. Like you're you're all getting divorced. Oh, When's the last time you saw your kids? And see, a lot of it too is driven because like they probably came from families where they had that dad who was like, you got to work hard or else like you're not my son, I'll disown you. Like whether they actually say that or it's a subconscious thing that just floated in the air. So they yeah. have this pure like, you know, just got to work and grind and just more and more and more. And it just ends up grinding them down. And what happens is, is they end up being absolute assholes. Yeah. And, and no one likes them. And the, and the sad part of it is they're actually really good, decent human beings. Yep. It's just the fact that they're sleep deprived. They're yeah, blood, it whittles them down to their, enough. Their blood sugar's all over the place because they don't yeah. eat properly. Then again, the whole family aspect, like the, the wife's like, when are you coming home? You miss Johnny's fucking act. You told me you were coming to the play. It's always the guys first. Uh, it's just a good thing. Like, and I think like when you're a young male, you know, you're like, I want to get that job. It's like, well, if you're young and single and like you have age on your side, so you have the capacity to do it. Fucking, yeah. you know, you probably will love it for a year or two, but if you have a family and it starts wearing down, it's like the grass will screen on your side. So I kind of just want you to talk and you, you can take over now for the next half hour. Talk about the whole Lakers journey. Like, to be honest, I mean, it's a nice possible way. I wouldn't give a fuck that you train Kobe Bryant, really. I hear people on other podcasts also tell me what it was like to train Kobe. I can nearly hear you going, oh, here we go again. Here we go. Here I don't, I don't give a fuck about that. I want to know about you yeah. as a human. Yeah. Like, so what was it like for you? What was it like for your partner too? And, 
you know, towards the end of that journey when the honeymoon period had gone and you were feeling a bit burnt out, like just talk us through like the whole mindset and because yeah. no doubt too, it is very difficult to uh, to. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm speaking here so much because it's just something that I've thought so much about. Because I'm often like, you know, I've been offered a few like internship opportunities in the NFL, and like I was very close to taking one, and I didn't because I felt like this whole scenario was in my head. I was like, you know, you're you're being drawn into by like all the glitz and the glamour, but you really know what's going on behind the curtains. It's like Wizard yeah. of Oz, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, talk us through your your whole your whole aspect, everything from when you got there first to everything like just life work balance. You know, even like talks about your day to day, and then towards the end, like how was that wrestling in your head giving up? Because this is the very last point now. Is that I think too a lot of people get so guilty because I've talked to a few coaches too who are in pro sport. Mm. I won't name a name here, but one guy, <laughs> I love this story. He goes, like I asked him, why did you leave? Like it was, it was a high high profile job. And he just goes, he says, listen, one day I was just taking a shit in work and I was sitting down and I said to myself, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And then, and then he said the, the guilt that went over, he said, I felt so guilty to say it. But at the same time, he said, I felt relieved that I actually finally said it. Yeah. But like, he feels so guilty because like, you're like, I'm at this six figure sport job that yeah. any, anybody killed for. There's kids starving in the world. Like, look at all the yeah. prestige I have in this organization. And like at the end of the day, it's like yeah, but it's perspective. Like this is the thing too. People people equate these external things like a job in a in a position or money with fulfillment or happiness. And it's just it's not the case. Like you know? right. So right. anyway, you take over now. Tell us about your whole journey and so sure. the, the the back end end of leaving and then setting up TD's edge. Sure. So I yeah, there was definitely when I got the gig with the Lakers. I I, I had this moment of thinking like okay this is it. I got, I got, I got there. I got to the pinnacle. I'll, I'll lock in here. This is going to be a dream come true. What, what, you know, a, what age were you, Tim? Just to give perspective. Yeah. Maybe. So I was 30. Okay. Um, I got the job at head strength coach Lake with the Lakers at, at, at 30 years old. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, yeah, okay, good. I'm going to, I'm going to lock in here. I, I got on with one of the most storied franchises in the game that I played and loved. And what else, what else would I ever want? I'm going to just, just sail off all the way down to the sunset with this, wherever the sunset is, this is going to be the, the deal. Um, and definitely sort of, that's sort of what I talked about with like that honeymoon period, but had a flash sort of my mind fast forwarded at that moment to being like, yep, I could see this for, for a career. I could see this being the, the, what I do now at the same time being realistic, there's turnover in these positions. So, you know, as long as I'm welcome, I'm thinking in my head, as long as I'm welcome, proving my worth and I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing and, and things work out the way I could, I, I, I could see myself being happy to kind of ride out into the sunset with this. And that's, you know, it's at 30 years old, you're, there's a, there's a long ways to the sunset. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, but I, I was comfortable going there in that early period of time. Let's call it first year of me having the job. And then I think what starts to take over after you start to see, as you said, the Wizard of Oz, I, I always say, once I learned how the sausage is actually made, 
and and uh, you you start to see okay, all right, I got it. Um, let me reevaluate where kind of my mindset is on this a little bit. How I need to attack it. What do I want to get out of this? How long do I want to do this? Uh, how long do I want to put up with some of the shit sandwiches, as I always say? And you start to do that now. And, but you're like, but it's awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, where I'm doing some amazing stuff here. It's incredible. It's still early enough to where you can justify. You, you just justify away all the bullshit. And, you, and you, you, you say, you know, suck it up because it's pretty awesome in a lot of ways. And, and it is. And, and, and there's great things. But um, I do think as time goes on in that role, what happened for me anyways was the scale went from you know, okay, the awesome things to the bullshit started to get closer and closer together. And I, I went into it also, I, I think initially being like, okay, I'm a PT, I'm, a, I'm an athletic trainer, I'm a strength coach. I know I'm here to be a strength coach, but I, I also assume that part of the reason why I'm here is to be able to employ some of my other skill sets. And what I realized is in the environment, at least that I was in, it, it was more about, look, these are, this is the thing that you're, you're a hired gun. We want you in here to, to run this lane right here. Now we like that you have that background, but you're really not going to be able to use it because in a, in a, in a you know, actual uh, active way in terms of me being act, acting or, or performing as a physical therapist, that's really not on the table because you got to run the weight room. And that was not fun to learn at first, but it was actually really good for me to learn. And, and it was really important for me to learn that in a fast paced moving environment like that, yeah, that's the deal. You're an expert in this one thing. We've got three other experts on each side of you to do those other things. And you may have some of those skill sets, but that's not what you're here to do. And if this is going to all go forward and, and have all those lanes heading in the right direction, each one of you is going to have to own it and, and kill it. And, and that was really important for me to learn. And, and I did uh, not initially, I don't think I loved learning that, but I did learn that and then embrace that and, and recognize that it was really good for me to learn because what that actually did was it forced me to be better at owning what I say now always is you've got to own the seat on the bus that you want to pick, that you want to be in. You, you got to pick one. You only get to pick one seat on the bus and, and be, like you said, a savage at it. You can't be at a, a savage at more than one seat on the bus. You can't be. I don't care who you are. And you could be kind of good at two. You could be a little bit good at three. It, it, but I don't think anybody really wants to be a little bit good at a bunch of different things. And, and that's what people attempt to do. Because ah, I can be really fucking good. I can be a savage at three. Trust me. Let me try this. You can't. And, and so that's what... I learned and that's what I embraced and that's what I did. I, I, I said, no, I want to be a savage at, at being a strength coach in the NBA. And I'll use my background and my knowledge, my skill set of a physical therapist and an athletic trainer to help me be that. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to put aside uh, any craving I have to go practice those things right now. And I went all in on that and I was okay with that. And, and it did work better once I recognized that. But that was sort of the, like, you know, I, I say that honeymoon period was year one. Now you go into year two, three, four, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I, I either had that moment of where I had to embrace that or I had to get get out, basically. Like, it wasn't going to work if I didn't embrace that. 
so, you know, that for me got, got me to that point. But I think as it went, um, what I did, what happened for me was, yeah, the, 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 the bullshit started to come even on the scale with the good and the, and the great things about it. And you start saying, well, geez, I'm, I'm making good money, but I'm also in the highest cost of living market in the NBA or one of them. I'm not making that good of money to, to, to be even on the scale of bullshit to good. And, and is this really as fun as I was anticipating it would be and satisfying as it would be? Do I really have as big of an impact on what's, what I thought I would have in here? And more and more, maybe the answer is no, not as much. And so I never was one that was really gave a shit that I had a Lakers logo on my polo shirt. <laughs> I, I just, I, and that's when I say that, that, that's with no disrespect to the LA Lakers. Yeah, of course. That's with no disrespect to any pro sports team if you were to apply that mindset to any position of this nation. It's just that that's not what drives me. That's not what I, I get goosebumps about. And, and for some people, they do. That's great. But, but the thing that you brought up is what ends up happening when you get to that year three, four mark of what I've now just played out. And you're, you're really, you're in there. And you, you've seen it. You've seen how it's all done. You get it. You know the score now. And you're like, okay. It, I, I just see some too often people making a decision in that moment to say, I've got to do whatever it takes to make sure I'm allowed to keep putting this polo shirt with this logo on here every day because I don't, A, know what else I would do if I wasn't doing this, or B, it just means so much for me to have that logo on my chest, then that's really important to me, and that's it's fine. That's fine. It's, it's, it becomes their identity. So, like, I mean, exactly. if, if they lost that, if they took that away, like, if they were told the following day you're gone and they're outside, they were like, oh, fuck. Right. Right. And, and look, easy for me to say, not, not wearing that logo anymore. Right. Somebody's sitting there saying like, yeah, sure. Tim, you're saying that because you're not, you're not doing it anymore. However that played out for you, you're not doing it anymore. So you can sit here and say that, but <laughs> you could talk to people that I was with in, in the trenches of that. And they would say, yeah, he, 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 you could, you know, he didn't change his, his, his mindset on that then. Um, plus, but, the, plus the fact that you walked away. You were, like, yeah, you exactly, away. exactly, and and that that piece of it too, and and how I did choose to to leave there, and and so, you know, for me, I just I cringe and and cringed at the time and say like I don't want to be that guy that is hanging on for dear life. Like Jesus, I gotta hang on to this logo, or else and what you else? Be, am I? You, be, you become that bitter old bastard. That that's no what happens. Around. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens, and that's the thing you mentioned. And and your your personality changes, and you're crusty, and you're you know you're not you anymore, and you're this other person now. And it's like, yeah, but I got the logo on my shirt, yeah. and I got the I got the benefits, and I got the you know I got this all locked down. And but if you if so, you start if yeah. you start bringing that crustiness into other parts of your life, you know it's one thing to have it right. in the building, but then right. when it starts filtering into your family, right. and then like you have your partner saying like, "Yeah, uh, you're kind of like not happy and not the person I kind of like." Yeah, yeah, and and ask my wife. I mean, she'll tell you she's a trooper, and and she's we're we're a great team because you know she compliments we compliment each other so much in personality and 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 kind of how we approach things, but um. 
Yeah, I remember saying to myself, you know, geez, I didn't really handle that the way I, I normally would expect myself to handle that one, you know? And I'm like, thank God she's a trooper, and thank God she just is like water off a of duck's back because a lot of people would have been like, F you, I'm, I'm not dealing with what you just, you know, the way you, you're, you're, you know, you're a zombie, you're a shell of yourself, and you're not really that fun to be around right now. So F off, I'm out of here. You know, and, and that happens all the time, too. I just, I, you know, I got lucky to have a, a real trooper on my side. But um, so, yeah, I think I hit those points at times. And I, I would always try to rein it in and figure, you know, figure out what I needed to be better at and, and, and do that. But it just, it just becomes really hard because you're just kind of at that point, you're, you're, you're too far in it. Like, there's no way of changing the, the environment. The environment is that. That's going to, that environment is going to do that to you regardless in some respect. And, um, so yeah, I just got sort of to that point of where I was looking at it and, and just the other piece of it that made it easy for me is I never wavered for one second in saying, well, yeah, if this ended tomorrow, no problem. I, I got, I'm, I'm going all in on really what my big vision is anyways, <laughs> you know, TD athletes edge and, and playing that out. So, you know, for me, it was basically, that was always, it was, I never, you know, until you're in there doing that next, playing that vision out and, and doing that thing, you're never quite positive of how you're actually going to play it out. But I knew well, whatever, like I said before, fuck it, I'm going to figure it out. And, and I, that's what I want to do the most. So you start to have this scale that's evening out on bullshit to, to, to benefits of the situation. And then you start to say, well, my real true big vision is this other thing. And do I really want to do this? And, and am I doing a favor to myself or the people that I'm working with and for if, if that's all adding up that way? So, you know, I think, as it gets to that point and now we're fast, you know, going through this timeline, if we're heading into year six now for me at the time, it's sort of saying, okay. And the, there was a new management change. They had some different ideas of how my position should be thought of or, or what should be happening from my position. And, um, they're every right to do that. They're in charge and, and it wasn't wrong of them to have a different vision. They should have a different vision than maybe the people that hired me and and now I'm, I'm, I'm not really as aligned with that vision as what I came in for. And it just all added up. It's just like doing an equation. Well, geez, that doesn't, we gotta run those numbers again because that, that shit's not adding up here. And um, it was really at that point in time for me to kind of just say, let's just be honest with myself. Let's just be honest with the people that are paying my paycheck and say, and call it what it is and, and not try to force something. and um, that was that was kind of what it how it played out for me and 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 i that you know i don't want that to sound like geez what a miserable fucking experience you had to there was amazing things that came from the experience i it was such a rich experience for so many reasons that it was i look back and say man i'm so much better in my role now with td athletes ed because i've now had that and just just endless reasons that i can say that um but had I held on too long and had I, you know, tried to ignore what was happening in front of me, I, I can say that it, it would have turned from, okay, being a really rich experience to uh, being really 
um, draining of, of myself and my career development had I tried to hang on too long. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. And so we're like coming towards the end of that, you know, like did yourself and your wife discuss like, we are, we are going to go back to Boston at some stage. Like even when you were in the not so shitty period, like was it always an intention to, to go back to Boston or did you actually at any stage see yourself staying on the, on the West coast? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, well, first off, my wife's always up for a great adventure and that's what one of the, mm-hmm. one of the things I, I love about her. And so she's, it, it was, um, uh, that piece was never, it was like, cool. What's up next? I mean, it's, it, it, this is, this is a really cool adventure. Not too bad living in Manhattan beach and, and living the life where we're living in many ways. Um, but yeah, we definitely got to the point where it's like, okay, we're really going to do this forever. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, we're Boston's deep in our bones and, and it's kind of pulling us a little bit and yeah. should, we, should, we, should we probably listen to that a little bit? And when, when's the right time to listen to that? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think midway through the six years, you start to have those conversations and say, okay. What maybe, was the, sorry to put in there. Um, no. What was the conversation with your wife when you were like, my mind's made up. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hand in my notes and I'd, I'm like, I'd, I'd like to move back to Boston. <laughs> uh, uh, when the, the conversation went a little bit like this, um, th- I'm thinking this honey. And, uh, so are we going to put a U-Haul trailer on the back or are we going to rent a U-Haul van is her question to me. She was, she was I mean, ready. She was ready to yeah, go to. She was ready. She was ready. Not in the sense she hated what we were doing or where we were living. Just in the sense of, you know, cool, new adventure, new chapter. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, if that's, if that's what you're telling me, if you're sitting here at this point with a great gig like this, telling me this, then obviously she's, she's saying, obviously, you know, that, that is that meaningful to you that it's, it's, you, you know, she knows me. I don't just yeah. um, sort of float around with different ideas and, and not think things through it's um so you know she's like cool let's let's uh let's rock and um kind of since you guys have moved back it, it has it has the role sort of flipped maybe in a certain way in that now i know you, you've opened up your own facility but it kind of sounds like you know she kind of was in a very supportive role as you were with the lakers um is it kind of flipped in a way now is she, is she doing any ventures now while you're back home and are you kind of more supporting what she wants to do now uh it's really similar in the sense, actually still now, in the sense that her, you know, she, what she's amazing in that ad and, and what, what she really cherish, cherishes and, and um, embraces as, as her vision in life is to, you know, we always, we always say that people probably get worried about or concerned about the, what I'm going to go into next, but my wife would roll her eyes and, and I, I, you know, she, she just loves to take care of home, you know? And, and, and that's not, that is not meaning she likes to do laundry and, 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 and keep. I I get you. I I get what you mean. She likes to take care of our family. She likes to really, you know, and and that's, that's really what she loves to do. And that's what she did. She, she did not work when we, when I was with the Lakers, and we decided to do that because we could barely make it happen, and, and, but we could make it happen. And, and we decided to do that because she 
wanted and we wanted to have a quality of, of relationship that we could have only by doing that, that if she was also doing a nine to five and or a job with travel while I was doing the Lakers job, we literally may as well have not lived with each other. Yeah. And, and, and so she's um, an amazing mother to our two year old daughter. Now I couldn't do what I'm doing with TD athletes edge. I couldn't have done what I did with the Lakers. Um, If, if, if we didn't have this team approach to how we sort of divide and conquer Mm -hmm. our, our, our goals and our visions. And, um, you know, she, if, if she said to me tomorrow, tired of this shit, I, I want to go back to, I'm going to, I'd like to go get a position. She's a P, she's a PT assistant by trade. And so I like to go back and work at a clinic and, and do that because I'm, I just want to get out of the house and, and, you know, um, I, I'd be like, cool, let's, uh, where, where are we, where are we, where, how do we want to get that set up? Where are we going to start? Yeah. You could, know, so could I ask, uh, what's your wife's name? Jenny. Jenny. So, uh, so Jenny, if you're listening to this, uh, you're definitely on my team. You sound like a savage team player. Oh my God. I choose Jenny. Oh my God. She's, she's, it's one of a kind. And, and, um, I'll I'll never forget. You'll appreciate this, Tim. I'll never forget. And sorry for, for the listeners. I know it gets annoying when I cut across. It's just because I'm under time pressure here and I love this guy uh, already. And I just want to get as much as I can in the next because I have a call with, with my good friend, James Smith next. But, uh, You'll, you'll, you'll really appreciate this story. So when I was interning with Boyles nine years ago, I was actually there. Wow. But we uh, interned nine years ago, worked there three years ago for a summer. Love, love Mike. He's fucking gas. Great man. Oh, no doubt. But, uh, and towards the end of my internship, like, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, like I like to think I did a good job in my internship. Um, and Bob Hansen, a firm co-owner, he, he said to Mike, he's here, listen, he's after working his balls off there for a few months. He's here. Like, I'd say he'd love to go to the, the, the New Jersey one day. So I got to spend like 36 hours with Mike Boyle. Like, you know, between like the seven-hour drive there and back to New Jersey, slept in a hotel room with him. You know, and like, at that time, like Mike is like my fucking idol. Like, you know. Right. Like, so I'm like, yeah. He's like, he was kind of, and the way he goes, so uh, I was thinking, would you like to come to uh, New Jersey one better? And like in my head, you're like, yeah, right. But, but like on the outside, you're just like, oh, oh yeah, of course, of course. But like, sure, sure yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah, he turns sure. his back, you're like, yeah. fucking you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but sorry, the reason I bring this up is because we're in the car, like, and you're in the car for 14 hours. So like, you're obviously sure. about, like, the training kind of goes out the window after a, an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So it gets onto life and stuff. So we were driving away there. We great chats, like great chats. Oh, yeah. I'll never, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I turned to him and I said, "Mike, who's your best friend?" And I, sw- he answered it like I mean straight away, no hesitation. And he goes, "Oh, my wife." <laughs> yes. Well, he, he just said, really? "Didn't he?" Without yeah. like, I was like, I and I looked at him and said, "That is a fucking unbelievable answer." I hope that yeah. if, if I, like, I'm single, but I hope if I ever do like get married, uh, and I, I hope it's that way for everyone. Yeah. Who, who is married? And, yeah. uh, and I'm for all marriages, by the way, just so people know. This is I a, love that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that's just a savage answer because I think a lot of it, a lot of people go, oh, my best friends, like, wouldn't be mates from school. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. when they turn around and go, like, when you hear that saying, oh, my wife's my best mate, of course she is. You know, I wouldn't fucking right. marry her if she wasn't my best friend. It was just like, you know, Mike said it. And then you think, like, Mike always tells about the sacrifice she's made for him all his career, too, you know. So it just kind of is resonating with me with, with you talking talk about Jenny. It just it sounds like Jenny's uh, label. So, uh, incredible. 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 Absolutely. I love that. 
it must, I'd say loads of people have tuned into this and go, oh, Tim's on Robbie's podcast. We're going to hear loads about training with basketball players. And they'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, just for the listeners, when, when I reschedule Tim, I will ask all about assessing and ankle assessments and you know we'll talk yeah, all about, I'll, I'll all about, you, yeah I'll we'll talk all about my favorite kobe bryant story yeah you will have all that ready don't worry don't worry but come here to, to wrap up right for the last 10 minutes we will uh, just a few more little things there so usually i ask people their biggest lessons in life but this has been such a sort of kind of light podcast so i'll skip that and we can maybe get that another day let's get into your biggest influences who have been your biggest influences on you professionally and personally um, so personally, I would say, you know, my, I would say personally, my parents, um, and, and, uh, my, so my great, my grandfather on my mom's side probably is, is this guy, he ran a, a dairy farm from the time he was in his twenties and he, worked on it before he was 20 um, to, to the day he died. Mm. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know that a lot of people in today's day really realize what that means, but what that means is from the time that you're 20 to the time that you die, you didn't get a Saturday or a Sunday off. Okay. Yeah. My, my grandfather's dairy farmer, so I can appreciate this. There you go. Um, and you know, the level of passion and enthusiasm and, and positive approach that he took to a, a, a job that most people would not be able to do for, for a month. Um, for, for, he did that for a lifetime. I mean, I, I witnessed it. I, I, we would, we would go there every weekend uh, when, and, and most summers spend a lot of time there. And I, I just, I saw it, it unfold and, and didn't realize what I didn't think there, I mean, what that's, I don't know what other grandfathers do something different. I didn't, I didn't know <laughs> that when I was a kid, yeah. but so that was just like, that's what you do. That's what you do as a professional, as a, as a person who loves what they do and that's what you do. And, um, you know, I, I think me seeing that every single day, you know, or, or throughout my entire childhood was something that I'll never come across somebody who had a, a lifetime like that or, or uh, displayed what they did in their lifetime, the way that he did it with, with um, such grace and savage, and, savage work ethic. Like, in the, yeah, yeah. The work ethic uh, that I, I took from that, that is ingrained kind of in me uh, that, that was, that was for me. I think when you look back is, is just, you know, and, and I think that, you know, both of my parents and, uh, have, have, um, you know, my dad, I can remember one day he, we were going to my, his father's to, uh, help him do something with his garage or something. I'm a little kid. I'm not, this is not what I want to be doing. I'd rather be playing Nintendo or whatever. I'm, I'm whining and, and, uh, he's taking a while to help him fix something in his garage and, and organize something. And I'm saying something about why are we taking so long? Why are we here so long? And he's like, you know, I, I always remember, like, because if we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it right. Yeah. And we could we could throw this stuff up on the shelf and tell him he, it's good to go and he's all set. But we gotta it, it, to do this right. These things need to be placed this way and they need to be organized. And we need to do this right. You know. And so I think I could go down the list. And you know, I, I think um, the the other thing that stands out, my mom, uh, 
you know, she, she, I was taking trumpet lessons and I, I, I'm not a musical person. I, I, that doesn't, I, I just, it, it, I don't, it doesn't hit with me. So it was hard for me and I, I didn't like it at all. I hated it. And I wanted to stop. I wanted to quit. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, she, she sat me down and said, look, we're, you have, you have six more weeks of this. And, um, that's what we committed to. That's what we signed up for. And, uh, we don't, we don't quit. So that's, that's how this is going to work. You're going to finish this and then you can stop. You can choose to not do this again. Um, but we're not going to pull out of this commitment. So I think those are the big things. I, I, I always talk about Rajesh Patel, who is, is a guy, you know, professionally. Great guy. Great guy yeah. Pack. I love that name. Quinn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I think, the, the, you know, Brajesh is a guy that I, I, I think of a lot, you know, professionally who, who I um, learned a lot from early on and, and kind of tried to be a fly on the wall to Brajesh uh, multiple times and, and just kind of uh, through osmosis of, of being around him a little bit, not a, not a ton, but a, enough to where I could pull away a lot from how he approached stuff yeah. that I always go back to on him and, and um you know, Gary Vitti is a guy who gave me my shot really with the Lakers and, and didn't have to uh, hire this kid who had no NBA experience, who, who had no real, you know, who he had to fight for to get me in the door and, yeah. and then cross his fingers that I was actually going to make him look good. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I, I have a lot of appreciation for Gary on that. And, and uh, those, are, those are the things that stand out. Great, great, great answer, bud. Four minutes left, so I'm going to ask you two more. Uh, you can give me like quick Zen answers. Uh, what What are you currently reading, if you are reading anything, and what is your top book recommendation? So, great question. The top, I'll start with the second. The top book que- uh, recommendation is The One Thing, and I think it's Gary Keller on there. Yeah, no, well. Um, it's, the reason why is because I realize and I, now, and I, I'm, I think if there's one skill every person can get, you know, that could, that could really help them expedite their uh, march toward their vision is the ability to prioritize correctly mm. and ruthlessly. And, and that, that book just, it, it just, you know, it does that in a nutshell. And if you, if you really pay attention to that book, it's, 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 it's very valuable from that sense. Uh, what I'm reading now is, I'm just looking at it here. Um, it's the best team wins by Adrian Gostick. Great stuff. And uh, it, it's a really, in my role with TD Athletes Edge, essentially, what it comes down to is we we will not be able to accomplish what what our vision is if if it's just me. Yeah. And we need an amazing team of people. And there's a really, um, I, I think that's I, I've always been fascinated with team sports and team projects and te- doing things as a team has always excited me much more than me trying to do it myself. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, I just am fascinated to learn the dynamics of how do you work within a team? How do you lead within a team? Um, how do you grow as a team and, and accomplish a lot as a team? So that's a great book when it comes to that. Okay. One more for you. Um, and if you want time to answer this, you got to promise you to come back on from the show. But the big, it is a big question. Um, the big question is, we're going to dinner and you can invite five people to this dinner and the five people can be dead or alive. 
who would you bring to this dinner and why? And by the way, Jenny doesn't count. She's already coming. So you and Jenny and me are going for dinner. I bring these for dinner. <sighs> Holy See, shit. Any five. So are you telling me I get, I get an opportunity, I get the option here to answer this on the next show? If you want to think about it, even though I do prefer people are authentic and go in the moment, because when you do come back on, okay, you'd say, okay, okay, because okay. when, when you do come back on, you can say, hey, I have, I have a new five. Ah, all right. Um, okay. So. If you want, I can give you my five for now. They could be dead or alive. Yeah, you, you go first. Okay, so, because I've been asked a few times. So currently, this is what I say, because it'll change. Because like, if you're reading a book on someone else, they're, uh, they're top of mind awareness. So currently, I would invite a guy called Jack Fresco, whose who's writings have been profound to me. He, just, he wrote a lot on like human development, behavior, and like spirituality and stuff. Ma- massive. Love his writings. guy called Jack Fresco, who started the Venus Project, was a futurist, uh, kind of built this resource-based economy. So like, he was just another uh, genius. Uh, Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and probably Nelson Mandela. Wow. Now, Jesus, uh, Jesus wouldn't be far off there. Now, like, I'm one of these people, was he real or not real? Don't really give a shit. But even if he was just, like, this made-up figure, he'd still be gas-cracked to have, I'd say. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, so, all right. So, for me, I... Trying to think what direction I'm going in here. I mean, this is. Uh... I tell you what. I tell you, you're you're being very genuine. I can see you really are thinking, but I let you. I let you away for the next episode. All right, deal, deal, deal. Is that I'm, right? gonna, I'm gonna have my uh, druthers on this one. I, I will. This is good. I like I like thinking about this. Um, and also on the next one, right? I want to get into a lot more train talk, but I, I really wanted to yeah. talk about those topics today. And by the way, just before we go, thanks for letting me speak to that. I, I appreciate your patience because you obviously are the guest, and I was rambling there for ages. But uh, oh, I wanted oh, to, I wanted to give context of our conversation. But listen, I really appreciate your honesty today, Tim, and it was really oh, great to finally uh, connect. I, uh, no, great, great to finally be on with you and, and meet. And, and um, I've done a few podcasts in my day. I've, I've, I've not had as much. Uh, this, is the, 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 this was refreshing, and, and I, I wish a lot of them would more go in this direction. So Absolutely. we'll talk about boring training shit next time, and that'll be fine. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be expecting it. But uh, this was really fun. I, I, I enjoyed this conversation Love a lot. It. So Love I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll send an email, uh, and we'll, we'll reschedule a new time. Um, I'm actually – I'm, I'm away next week, uh, but I'll, I'll email you before that and we'll set up something in October, okay? Love it, brother. Love it, love, right. it, love it, love you it. You take care. You take Can't care. Wait. Thank you very much. All right, see you there, Bye. bro. All right, guys, what a great discussion with Tim. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And hopefully we'll have Tim back on the podcast very soon. But for now, take care, be well, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.